to Human Dreaming, the podcast for curious dreamers. Today, I am very excited to welcome Anna Reichenbach on Human Dreaming. Driven by a troubled childhood, from an early age, Anna asked the big questions. Who am I? And what is life for? This led to many mystical experiences, including lucid dreaming from the age of six, sleep paralysis in her 20s, and bizarre close encounters with wildlife. Desperate to heal, she rediscovered her natural joy in the unlikely form of a hula hoop at a music festival. This chance encounter would lead to 20 years of performing and teaching her own creative form of hula hooping, the modern art of hoop dance, sparking a worldwide resurgence in hula hooping for dance, art, fun, and healing. Anna lives to bring light to the deepest experiences in life and loves to share her insights, humor, experiences, and healing process with others through her blog, speaking, and workshops. So Anna, it's so delightful to have you here today and thank you so much for being here. I am very excited to talk to you about all things dreams. Oh yeah, I'm super excited to just dive in. I'm glad we have a whole, potentially a whole hour to do so. Absolutely. Yeah, so, um, you know, diving right in, what what do dreams mean to you? Whew, well, um, you know, you already mentioned in my bio <laughs> um, that I had a troubled childhood and dreaming was one of the first kind of escape mechanisms in a lot of ways, but it came about in a really strange way. Like when I was little, I often couldn't tell the difference between dreaming and awake. Like I had my early life was really just really bizarre. I just came in that way, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, what happened is I, <laughs> I was a bedwetter, like chronically way too old to be a bedwetter. I was like six or seven and the doctors couldn't figure it out. And I finally realized that I was dreaming that I was going to the bathroom and I couldn't tell the difference between waking and dreaming. Right. I had all these weird little tests. Like I would close my eyes and count to three. And when I opened my eyes, if it was the same, then I was awake. And if it was different than I had been dreaming. So that's how like separated I was from what was reality and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I started asking myself every single time I went to the bathroom because it was so embarrassing and I was petrified. I was like, oh my God, like make this and add the plastic sheets and the whole thing. Um, I'd ask myself every time I went to the bathroom, am I dreaming? And as you know, that is all it takes for that first yes to begin lucid dreaming. Mm-hmm. So I started lucid dreaming when I was, you know, six or seven and it became like a port in the storm from, you know, all the shit that I experienced through my childhood where I would just sleep half the day because it was so much more exciting and safe and pleasurable and weird and cool um, to be in my dream life than to be in my waking life half the time. Oh, wow. That's so yeah, it was really significant for a good portion of my life. Yeah. Oh, that's really amazing. And yeah. so you kind of found a refuge in lucid dreaming. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, do you recall any of the, the places or experiences that you would take yourself to during that time? Yeah, it started also, um, one of the catalysts for this too, was that I was having really extraordinarily petrifying nightmares. Mm. And because I couldn't tell the difference between waking and dreaming, it would often, like I was convinced that it was real. I still, there's a part of me that's like, you know what? 
there was some real shit going on, you know? Yeah. Um, and so my mom sh- showed me how to just think about all my favorite things before I went to bed mm-hmm. to try and have good dreams, which totally worked, you know? And so I carried that over into once I became lucid, I used that same skill while I was in the dream time to mm-hmm. shift my dreams, you know? So sometimes the dreams were really intense and I would learn how to shift them into something that was less intense and more pleasurable. Mm-hmm. But most often, um, especially when I was a kid, my dreams were more like journeying. Like I would be going to, you know, strange worlds, talking to strange beings and creatures and like aliens. And, you know, that mm-hmm. continued through my 20s. So I just had a lot of like really wild adventures. I didn't have a lot of recurring dreams, but I had some recurring worlds that I went to. Like there sure. was a couple of them. There was one that was like a long hallway. Mm-hmm. with just like an infinite number of doors and behind each door was a different world. Mm-hmm. So I would play with like, huh, I wonder what's behind this door. And I would go through that door and find myself in some other reality. And that often, like I have like a scale of lucidity, right? So that often, that dream often wasn't, I wasn't like super high lucid. I was only a little lucid. Mm-hmm. I was lucid enough to know it was a dream, but not lucid enough to really feel like myself. Like there's a lucidity level that I have experienced where like I feel my body, I feel the wind, I feel the sun, I feel exactly like I feel right now, Mm -hmm. but I'm in the dream and I know I'm dreaming, right? So there was one time where I entered that dream. This is so freaking bizarre, okay? (laughs) I entered that dream like in my full lucidity and I was like, oh shit, like I'm here and I'm really high lucid. Like I wonder what I can experience now, right? And so as I'm opening a door, I like this door cracks open and this light starts spilling out. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, like I'm so lucid. I could really be here I can really be here. And that kind of started repeating in my mind. And I slipped a little bit and fell through this doorway and I landed like this, you know, and I'm thinking I could really be here. And my whole body started buzzing, like becoming more physical. And then I got freaked out. I was like, oh shit, like, I don't want to really be here, you know? And And I was laying in the exact same position as I was in the dream. And yeah, so I had a bizarre experiences like that. Like there's like some dreams that are more interpretive that, yeah, there's something going on for me to interpret. And then there's Mm -hmm. other dreams that I have that feel more like Carlos Castaneda ish, like, Mm -hmm. like there's something real going on, you know? That's what I I was immediately when you said that, I thought, wow, it sounds like she's tapping into the multiverse, like jumping through those layers into parallel, parallel worlds. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's pretty fun. (laughs) They're not all like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just, I had to make a choice at some point to like be in this physical reality Mm -hmm. and cut down my, my, the amount of time I was sleeping. Cause I would sleep for 12 hours and be awake for 12 hours, Mm -hmm. like through my teenagehood and into my early twenties. And so it was like dedicated to the dream, but it hasn't been like that. Cause I just, you know, can't always sleep for 12 hours. (laughs) It just doesn't work. Yeah. But you know, you, you mentioned in the, in your bio, it mentioned about, you know, having a troubled childhood and moving into that alpha theta state or lucid dreaming is a very safe way to have a defense mechanism. Yes. To be like your mom, you know, showed you how to imagine your favorite things and to take yourself there. And that's, you know, basically it's a form of self-hypnosis. Right. Um, You can't be in that state if your parasympathetic nervous system isn't engaged. So you can't be stressed out and be in that state. You have to be in a state of relaxation, meditation, self-hypnosis. Yeah. 
be able to access that. So I think that's, you know, considering everything you had going on, that was probably a very healthy choice for your subconscious to make to, to take you there and create these worlds and, or experience these worlds, whatever the case may be. Yeah. 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 I mean, it kept me connected to, you know, some level of pleasure and uh, excitement and adventure and uh, took me out of the high emotional, you know, intensity of my regular life. So yeah, it was a saving grace for sure. That's amazing. Um, do yeah. you find that you still access that place when, when you get stressed out or is it, it is a tool that you still have in your, in your kit for managing stress? Not as much because for me, the, the, like the height of my dreaming happens after I've been sleeping for eight hours. Okay. So, and you know, I've got a much busier schedule now. So I, I often, you know, don't have the luxury um, of sleeping for nine to 10 hours, you know, uh, I still have, I still have dreams, but they're not like that whole time period of childhood till about mid twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, once in a while they be hit with one. I'm like, Oh yeah, I still got it. You know, uh, they're more now they're more on the level like processing mm-hmm. and you know, like, wow, there's a lot of anxiety that needs to process through my system right now. Like I know what that's about, like being chased or having to save someone and struggling to save someone, you know, those kinds of things. Or my, my top anxiety dream when I'm like, wow, I really got some anxiety workout is, is uh, chasing after my dog and that my dog not listening to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like screaming her name and she listens really well. This is like not a reality. Yeah. And she's like running and I'm running after her, like yelling her name and she won't listen. I'm getting more and more like fraught, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I always know I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Like I need to just like meditate and yeah. bath, you know, clearly I got some anxiety running through my system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool that you're so connected with your dreams. I really like that. Um, how do you feel that you I mean, there's a part of me that really longs, longs for the old ways, but sure. you know, I lived it. It was like a whole incarnation. Yeah, so absolutely. Was, yeah. That dream person, you know? Yeah. And you yeah. have those memories from that too. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. so how, how do dreams affect your daily life? Oh, so my dad taught me, this is really cool. So um, I don't always remember this, but I, I try to, where my dad's an astrologer. So he's a deep, you know, spiritual dude. And uh, he said, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to the, the likes of, um, you know, treat what happens in your day as if it wasn't a dream, like the same way you would interpret something that's happening in a dream, don't just let those signals pass you by in your waking life, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if a butterfly crosses my path or, you know, usually it's connected to the natural world or a hawk, you know, I, I stop and I take a moment and I, I express some gratitude, whether it be internal or, you know, actually speaking it, um, for the signal and the, the meaning that that being is bringing into my life, you know, whether, it's like a butterfly. I'm like, oh, okay. Thank you for reminding me that I'm transforming and that I have to go through the cocoon to get the, you know. Yeah. So I, I tend to run with, you know, whatever that that symbology is happening in in my daily life, as if I was dreaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, your dreams affect you in that they're always present in your your daily life. So you treat your dream world the same same way you do your external world in terms of bringing in the signals and interpreting and understanding them. I do. And I think that maybe a little bit is a holdover from not being able to tell the difference sure. from when I was a kid. Cause there's still moments where I'll have a surreal moment 
where everything becomes really like focused and present and I feel like the cosmos and usually it's just like a blip, you know, but in that moment I'm like, oh, I'm dreaming right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you might be, especially since you're able to slip into that space so readily. Yeah. That's really cool. Do you have a, a memorable sleeping dream that changed your life in some way? Mm, yes. Well, I have many, but okay. the one that's coming to mind <laughs> is, uh, oh, this is like one of my favorite dreams. So, um, and I use the terminology waking up into the dream mm-hmm. because it's often like, you know, I open my, like I close my eyes to sleep and I open my eyes, I'm in the dream. It's like really fast like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I woke up into this dream and uh, I'm looking at this giant mountain. And I look up at this mountain and in the face of the mountain, the face of the mountain is the visage of this like just scary, like powerful God, like an angry God, you know, Mm -hmm. and its eyes are closed and it just has this like this scowl, you know, and it's like horrifyingly frightening. Mm -hmm. I'm like, holy shit, like that's intense because the whole entire side of this mountain is this face, right? Yeah. I'm looking up at it and I see, I look closer and I see these, um, these people are crisscrossing the mountain and these little like small, like, you know, from some village or tribe somewhere, like brown people wearing like more tribal dress and they're going up and down the mountain and they're hitting it with a stick and they're just Mm. like chanting and like pounding like this like ritual. And I start to get really scared. I'm like, Oh shit, they're going to wake it up, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, that can't happen. Like this is going to like destroy everything you know so I run up the mountain and I'm like running to from like tribesperson to tribesperson like begging them to stop you know like please stop doing it and they're just kind of like shooing me away like no 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 like this is like you know we're doing this you know this is like part of the ritual and so sure enough the mountain starts to shake and I lose my footing and I tumble back down to like where I started in the dream at the bottom looking up and it's starting to like wake up and I'm just like, oh shit, I'm laying down on the ground now looking up like, oh shit, it's happening, you know? Wow. And as soon as its eyes start to crack open and it was a little bit like, um, you know that movie, uh, um, oh shit, I'm forgetting the name. There's a scene in a movie that you totally know where the character has to make it to this gateway and it's these giant statues, these sphinx statues and their eyes crack open and this light starts to shine out. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's not Indiana Jones. Never ending story. Never ending story. story. There we go. Yeah. So it was like that. So the eyes started to crack open. And as soon as they started to crack open, this light started to shine out. And it shines like right down on me. And all of a sudden, the face transforms. And it's like, it's very emotional. Um, Into like the most beautiful goddess, like the most loving, beautiful goddess like you've ever seen, you know? And she's just looking down at me with like so much love. And I'm just like laying here, like soaking it in. Like I never felt that much love in a dream. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was super intense, obviously, because it still gets to me. And this is like 15 years ago, 20 years ago or something. And, uh, and right then I realized like, wow, in the dream, I'm realizing this, you know, that what I was most afraid of holds the most powerful love, you mm-hmm. know? And when I woke up, I was like analyzing the dream a little bit. I was like, oh shit. So like those villagers were like all the stuff that happens in life that is unstoppable. Like they are just doing their thing. They're shaking it up because you have to be shook up to get to your gift. You have to be shook up and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Right. 
and you don't want to stop it really, but it's the fear that keeps you from seeing the gift that's in there. And if you just surrender, like me falling down the mountain and then just laying there was like an attitude of surrender, then like the most beautiful gift that was hiding behind all that fear gets to like get to shine out. Oh, wow. And that's still like one of the most kind of archetypal powerful dreams that I remember whenever I forget who I am, mm-hmm. you know, or forget how to access who I am. Like, oh yeah, like that is living inside of me. Oh, that is so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I love how clear that is and how powerful. Yeah. Uh, and another thing too is the, you know, you already analyzed the dream for yourself, but um, one of the really powerful indicators of the meanings of dreams is the emotions that you're feeling in it. Like a lot of times we get hung up on the visual symbols. Right. Um, but a lot of times it's like, you know, you might be looking at something beautiful, but feeling fear, you know? And so if you're feeling fear, then like, is that really, you know, a positive symbol in your dream? Right. So right. you were feeling like all of this intensity and then by like letting go, you were able to feel that profound love and find your, your way. Your, yeah the gift and um I think that's really amazing and powerful it was super powerful yeah still is I mean some yeah some of those dreams can just they stay with you for a lifetime yeah so did the dream end on that that powerful love or was there yeah yeah I woke up like shortly after Mm -hmm. yeah oh that's really incredible yeah the, the my most powerful dreams are like that where I wake up in the dream and then it's like boom yeah where some of the more like when processing things they like transition into something else and something else and something else and something else and it's like Mm -hmm. this long weird convoluted thing you know yeah have like a clear bookend like the more you know powerful dreams yeah so do you just remember your dreams or do have you kept a dream journal I do have a dream journal. I haven't been writing them down recently, but I've been wanting to start again because I think I find when I'm recording my dreams, they come more Mm -hmm. and they're a little bit stronger. They're a little bit clearer. It's like a signal to the universe. Like I'm listening, I'm paying attention. I want more of this, you know, like by putting your effort and taking the time to actually record them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I do have a book of all of my, you know, most powerful dreams written down, uh, somewhere in here (laughs) but I I haven't been recording them for a while no yeah it seems like you have a lot of them that are equally as clear as waking memories though so that's that's really interesting too yeah yeah the most powerful ones for sure like they're living you know inside of me still yeah yeah and so this might be a redundant question since we've been talking a lot about your sleeping dreams and the fact that sometimes sleeping and waking can kind of be a little bit of a blurry line. Yeah. Have any like fully awake uh, dreams, fantasies, like um, ambitions, like that kind of dream. Like Mm. I have a dream type of dream that, that came to you and changed your life. Hmm. Like something more like something that I want to be or yeah, like oh, well. um, something you want to be or something that just came to you in like a flash of inspiration, like in the shower, brushing your teeth or, yeah. you know, as you were hooping for the first time, you know, have you ever had any of those flashes or just kind of uh, moments of a, a dream or a wish, a fantasy or an ambition coming to you? Yeah, um, I, well, I have two two answers to your question. One, it's probably more direct, um, is in my early days of hooping, 
when it was still just like me being the one weird girl, you know, spinning around in the meadow with a hula hoop. Um, uh, there was like this clear feeling after I started, I started making hoops, you know, so still the early days, I was just making hoops and selling them at music festivals. Um, but I was starting to feel the power of it in my own life, the transformative power of the hoop Mm -hmm. and, uh, how much it was doing for me, like emotionally and physically and everything. And, and I just had this flash of like, wow, like the world needs to do this, you know? And I was not that bold back then. Mm -hmm. There was something about that, like, like I was convinced that this is what the world needed. Like I was going to save the world with hula hooping, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was in my early twenties. I was very idealistic. Right. Um, but it caused me to start these conversations with people that maybe didn't think they could hoop or they never tried it before. They thought it was dumb that I was like really pushy about it because yeah. I had this, this sense of like, no, like if you do this, you are going to like, your life is going to be changed. And I want that, you know? <laughs> and so people would be like protesting. I'm like, no, you're doing this right now, you know? And I've never been that pushy, like in that way about anything before or since, you know? So it was interesting um, how that, how that caused me to just have moldness. I don't know. Um, but the other thing, this is a, maybe not exactly what you're asking, but it, this is what the first thing that came in when you were, when you were asking it was, uh, um, I had this experience when I was 17 and I was in like full teenage angst. My mom had grounded me for an entire year because I was ditching school. Mm-hmm. I was reading fantasy books, fantasy science fiction books for eight hours a day, 500 page books a day, and then sleeping and dreaming the other parts of the day. Mm-hmm. I was deeply depressed um, and I had, uh, I would make an excuse to leave the house to go call my best friend on the payphone mm. down the street from the house. So, cause I wasn't allowed to call my friends. I wasn't allowed to see my friends. It was like nothing, you know? So I was walking down the street to call my friend at the payphone. I'm walking across the street and I'm just filled with angst. I'm filled with like, what the fuck is this life for? And I was just asking this question so powerful, like, who am I and what is life for, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I blinked. And in that blink, I all of a sudden like shot out and I was the cosmos. Like I was bigger than the cosmos and I knew everything. Like I was the cosmos for like this split, literally a blink of an eye mid step. And like, I had all the answers to all of my questions. All of my destiny was laid out before me. And then I opened my eyes and it was gone. Mm. I didn't know any of the stuff that it was shown in that moment, but I had this sense that there was more, Mm -hmm. you know, and it gave me this like, okay, like I'm not just this like weird alone creature that has no purpose. Mm -hmm. This life doesn't have like, it's not meaningless. You know, there is something greater. There is a plan. There is something so huge that is, that we are, you know, and I just had this like really strong sense, even though I couldn't retain any of the details. Mm-hmm. Um, that it gave me this sense of hope in a really, really freaking dark time. Uh, and, and I still can feel that feeling of like being the cosmos, even mm-hmm. though I don't know all the details. Yeah. And yeah, it was literally like mid-step, whoa, I'm the cosmos. Oh my God, I'm back again. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that was a waking dream. Yeah. That's a pretty profound moment. I don't think I've ever had anything like that happen outside of mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Mushrooms are good for that. (laughs) I was not on mushrooms at the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, So I I think we talked a little bit about this briefly, but um, you, your 
recurring dreams or do you have any other kind of recurring dreams or dream themes other than the anxiety of your dog running away and not listening? Hmm, that's kind of the main one. Um, I haven't had that dream in a long time, but if I have a recurring dream, it's that. Um, there was a recurring theme for a while of uh, telepathically speaking to various animals or creatures and having to like, like best them in some way, you know, um, mm -hmm. like there was one I had about a wolf and I was in this dark woods and the wolf was like speaking to me telepathically and it was saying like, you know, you'll never, you'll never win over me. Uh, you'll always lose. I'm more powerful than you. Like it was giving me all this kind of, and I had to like push through because it was in my head. And the only way to beat it was to cut off its head. And I'm a total animal lover. So obviously yeah. this is like the last thing I want to do. Um, and so I did, I had to like, you know, like, no, you're not going to beat me. Like I am going to win, you know, um, and there was another one just along the same lines of like climbing up a cliff, uh, up face above the ocean. And in the ocean was this giant, like sea dragon. Oh wow! And it was swimming back and forth behind, underneath me going, you're never going to make it up the cliff. You're going to fall. I'm going to eat you. Mm -hmm. You know, you're never going to make it. You're never going to make it. And I'm just like, no, I'm going to make it. And it was like in my head, you know, having to, to make it past that intense, like mm -hmm. badgering of something that seemed to be powerful, more powerful than me for sure. Yeah. So, and there was one other one I'm not totally remembering, but it was along those same lines, like some animal or, or creature that was that gonna kill me. Yeah. Yeah. When you mentioned earlier about your, um, your dreams about the hallway with the many, many doors, I had a really similar one when I was a little kid and, you know, yeah. and fantasizing was definitely an escape mechanism mm. for me as well. So I can very much relate to that. But, um, Mine was, I always, ha I still do have recurring dreams about houses and architecture mm. to this day, but um, it was instead of being like an infinite outward, it was the infinite unknown beneath me. So in underneath every house, there would be this like little narrow walkway that I had to cross, but on either side was like an endless abyss. It wasn't necessarily good or bad. It just, it is, it was what it was. And so it was just kind of like that unknown and Hmm. I think that those kind of uh, recurring dreams that that bring up those same things, and it sounds like your your dragon one was about leaving behind that inner voice, yeah, and climbing up and listening to your higher voice, which is really interesting considering how much you were kind of in an inner voice as a child, and then climbing out of that, yep, as you got hmm. older, yeah, well, that's really interesting. Hmm. Um, so we've spoken a lot about lucid dreaming, but I'm still really curious about your period of sleep paralysis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was super intense. Um, I was 20, and I just moved out of my family home for the first time. I moved up to Ohio, and I was living in this little trailer on this giant piece of property that I was hired as a caretaker for. So I was like, I'd walk her dogs, I'd clean her house. And I loved this trailer. It was awesome. But it was my first time, I grew up in LA. So it was my first time living in the middle, like it was really remote um, outside of Ojai. Mm -hmm. um, and I loved it, but it was definitely different. Like it was really dark at night. There was no street lights. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I'd already kind of gathered this uh, fear of the dark from somewhere. I don't know where that came from, but 
Um, so there was like some fear running in me already. Like if it was nighttime, I would literally run as fast as I could from the trailer to her house. Yeah. And just have this feeling like a saber toothed tiger was chasing after me. Like, just like, like I've never run so fast in my life, you know? (laughs) So there was some fear kind of like coming up, but, um, okay. So this is a little bit of a roundabout story, but it's, it's relevant. I had been there for maybe a month or two before it started. And in that month or two, at, um, somewhere in there, I'm cleaning the lady who owned the property and cleaning her bathroom. And I always got this weird sense from this one cabinet that had all these like oils and things in it. Mm-hmm. And I finally just asked her, I was like, are you a witch? And she was like, how did you know? <laughs> I, like, well, I just get this strange sense from this one cabinet. And she's like, yeah, that's where I keep all my potions, you know? Oh, wow. And so she's like, but don't worry, I'm a white witch. And of course I was fascinated mm-hmm. and she started teaching me some little things like some little spells and, and how to feel energy and things like that. Uh, and that was really cool. Um, but I just started, she started kind of like screwing with me a little bit. There were some little weird kind of manipulative ways. She started like, I was like, Hmm, is she really a white witch? Like, I don't know. So there were some like kind of not totally on the light side of things, things started, things starting to happen kind of, you know, underneath. So shortly after that, I started having what felt like a dream of being frozen in my bed, like I was paralyzed, I couldn't move, Mm -hmm. and I could see through my eyes as if there were little windows really far away, Mm -hmm. and I'm spinning inside of my, I know I'm inside my body, but I've become like this little seed, Mm -hmm. and the body is like this huge cavernous thing, and I could see outside my eyes of these little windows, and I would just start, I would be spinning. Mm-hmm. spinning and spinning and spinning and feeling like I'm going to, you know, leave my body, um, but not able to choose, you know? And so I would push out of it by having to like scream really loud. And I wasn't actually screaming out loud. I, mm-hmm. once or twice I had, you know, my lover in bed and he's like, no, you weren't screaming. I was like, oh, I was screaming, wow. <laughs> you know, and I'd push out of it. Um, and then often, as soon as I went to, back to sleep, I'd go right back into it. And so mm-hmm. it was happening five or six times a night. I was getting like no sleep. And then that progressed into having a dream of this small being holding me down. Mm-hmm. Like, oh shit, something's trying to possess me. Like if I leave, it's going to take over my body, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was convinced that something was trying to possess me. And of course, I'm getting more and more sleep deprived because I'm not really sleeping. And um, I was really sure that I was losing my mind, you know? I uh, mm-hmm. remember this one kind of like crux moment where I, my daily routine is I'd take her to little, little dog's on a walk around the property and it was just on this dirt trail, you know, around the property. And, and, um, and there were, and I'd take my dog too. And I just was feeling this like welling up of like stress, anxiety, fear of like, I literally thought I was losing my mind. I just started running. Mm-hmm. I was just running. And I had, I, at the time I wore glasses and my vision was really bad. So I, I would occasionally not wear glasses. So I'm, I can't see it's, everything's completely fuzzy. Oh wow! And I did that on purpose because there was something soothing about it sometimes or it just felt like you know it was just like a blob you know so I'm running down the trail I can't see shit the dogs are running after me and I'm just like somebody help me you know like dear god universe like I'm losing my mind and something's trying to possess me like somebody help me um and then shortly after that it's where it goes back into dreams I'm at my lover's house and I have this dream that um I hear a knock on the door and in the dream, this is how I always know that it's like a powerful dream is when the light in the dream is the same as when I went to sleep. I'm like, oh shit, something's happening, you know? Right. So in the dream, I 
am in the exact same place in the bed that I was when I went to sleep and the light's exactly the same. I hear a knock on the door and I hear one of my best friend's voice on the other side who had been out of town. I was like, oh my gosh, you're home. Like, come in. Mm-hmm. He comes in and he kind of jumps in the bed and I'm like hugging him from behind. I'm like, so glad you're home. And then there's like this still moment and then I hear his heartbeat and it's not like a normal heartbeat. There's like, he's got three hearts. Oh, wow. And I was like, wait a second, like you're not my friend. And I start to like push him away and he kind of like resists. And so I push him away harder. He tumbles down to the the end of the bed and now he's on the ground. And I look and it's no longer my friend. It's this reptilian alien. Mm-hmm. And then I'm aware then at that moment, there was another reptilian alien off to my left that had just been like sitting there observing. And so I sit up and I'm just like, okay, you guys have been the ones fucking with me. I'm done with this. You guys need to leave me alone. I'm, you know, this is over. And I said, bring on the light. And then this light shined from over my head, like behind my head onto them. Now there's, they're oh, wow. both now at the foot of the bed and just kind of sh- like sizzled them out of existence. Like they just mm-hmm. dissolved and popped and were gone. Oh, and wow. that was the last time I had the sleep paralysis. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was over like maybe three or four months of time that it like the whole kind of mm-hmm. cycle. And that was, that was during the time that you lived in Ohio out in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. When, did you move after that or? No, I still lived there for a while and then it, the whole thing went down in flames. Not literally, but. Sure. Yeah. She's like, there was a couple of times where I heard her voice in my head in the morning and mm-hmm. like, you know, I would go in the house and she would have this kind of like smug look on her face. And I was like, I'm messing with her. She, no, she, that's right. She was like, no, did anything interesting happen this morning? And I was like, you know what? You need to stop messing with me. Like, that's not cool. You know, it was like an invasion into yeah. my space, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wasn't being a good employee either. So the whole thing just became disastrous yeah yeah but you were able to intentionally stop that from continuing to happen that dream seemed to stop it there was a couple other times where um i felt something similar to the sleep paralysis but let go and i actually left my body and i had a couple of -of out-of-body experiences um but it was never like that frightening something is you know possessing me or having to push out of it over and over and over again all night long. It was more just like, oh, well, let me just see where this goes. And I popped out of my body a couple of times and that was also interesting. (laughs) Um, But that was only a couple of times and then, yeah, and then it stopped. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, Very wild. You also mentioned uh, mystical experiences with animals and I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So this is all the same time period in my life. Um, it's still once in a while I'll have something. I'm like, okay, yay, I still got it. But um, <laughs> Yeah. Like there very often happen, uh, it would go through different animals. Like for uh, three or four months, there was, I would have exp- uh, had an experience with owls, close encounter experience with owls. And mm-hmm. it was three times um, in a row over a couple of months. Like it was like one a month or something like mm-hmm. that. And each time it was during the day when you're not supposed to see owls. Mm -hmm. And I was always with other people that happened to be looking some other direction. And it was directly across my line of vision. So like one time the owl came out of a tree and then went down like right here and flew right directly in front of me. Oh wow! And then went back up into a tree, like really close. Another time it went from one tree, no reason for the owl to do this, from one tree out of the tree directly in my line of vision into another tree and then gone. 
And then another time it was, um, I looked up and there was a pigeon. And for some reason I'm looking at this pigeon and it's flying right down the middle of the road in LA. Where mm-hmm. like, when do you see a freaking owl in the middle of LA? It was kind of close to Griffith Park. And then right behind the pigeon, I see an owl chasing it. Oh, wow. And I was like, whoa, you know? <laughs> and all three times there was somebody with me that, and I was like, you see that? They're like, what? And I was like, oh. you know? Um, so things like that would happen. Probably the most bizarre thing that ever happened um, was, and this was on the tail end of a psychedelic experience, but it was after we had already come down, you know? So I wasn't like seeing things anymore. But it was uh, me and a few friends um, were hiking in uh, Yosemite we had gone to a music festival and it was after it was already done. And we went for this, you know, awesome day hike mm-hmm. and we're around all day. And then we ended up uh, in this river and there's three or four of us. We'd been swimming in the river, you know, for a while. And it was this beautiful sunny day. And we'd all gotten out and we're like laying on the rocks naked, you know, and I'm laying on the rock for a while. And I'm just like, oh, this is like the most beautiful day. And then it's like something like glinting out of the corner of my eye. And, um, and I, realize it's coming from my hand like what the hell and and I looked down and on my thumb was this bubble of water and in the bubble of water was a juvenile dragonfly oh wow yeah like apparently I found this out later but they have like a mucilaginous coating Mm -hmm. that makes it so that the like the water does like stick to them so Mm -hmm. I think that's what made it possible but like freaking weird right yeah and I'm looking at it and it's just like you know, like, what am I doing here? You know, <laughs> and I actually went and showed one of my friends. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, and I just hung out with it for a little while, and then I went and I just stuck my thumb in the water, and it went boom. You know, like oh, shot wow. out. And an even weirder part of this is that, unbeknownst to me, at that time I was pregnant. Oh wow! So here's this symbol of oh. this womb, yeah, with a baby dragonfly in it. Which the dragonfly is another creature that I had many, many, many close strange experiences with mm-hmm. yeah and so it was like this like you know the universe is like hey you know something's yeah. happening and that did not result in a child but that was pretty direct communication you know from the universe right mm-hmm. yeah so and there's like so many there's so many stories but mm-hmm. yeah that's just a, a few of them wow there's a lot of sea creatures like sea lions and bat rays and yeah yeah. Very, very close. Yeah. So do you feel like maybe rather than being connected to one specific animal throughout your life, that the different animals kind of have different connections to different parts of your life? I feel like there's like epochs, epochs, you know, like this, sure. like, wow, the owl was really present in that portion. And mm-hmm. the dragonfly was really present in that portion. And then the hummingbird was really present in this portion. And then, you know, uh, sea lions were really present in this portion. So it's just, yeah, they're kind of go through, there's like phases and it's not like they ever fully go away that every once in a while, they'll still kind of like jump out and give me like a wink and a nod. Yeah. Um, but there's definite like very strong periods. Yeah. Tend to like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Were you with us at, it was one of the Fuentes years ago when we hiked way up the creek into one of the pools and we were swimming and there was snakes all in the water with us no (laughs) what kind of snakes i don't remember they were just like little water snakes but they were all along the edges like they weren't swimming oh wow we were but only along the edges of the rocks wow what um, was your response to that 
Um, I was pretty in tune with nature at the moment. Yeah. So. <laughs> You're like, all right, guys, we can we can share. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally fine. They weren't they weren't threatening. I don't think they were necessarily poisonous or anything. So we yeah. were worried about it. But for some reason, I thought you might have been there. I don't know, unless I somehow managed to forget that. Yeah. Maybe it had become so normal. I was like, yeah, whatever. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, are there any other um, insights or comments, things that you would like to share, gifts that you would like to give to anybody before we finish? Yeah. Wow. That went by fast. Um, let's check in. Yeah, just that if you're interested in dreaming, uh, that it really helps to make a really strong intention to remember your dreams before you go to sleep mm -hmm. and to be really like what helps for me is to um, like if, you, if I really want to dream, I have learned things that block my dreaming. Things like being on my phone right before going to bed mm -hmm. or things like um, you know, not getting enough sleep on the regular where you're sleeping too deeply, you know, mm -hmm. or not drinking enough water, you know, where my body isn't quite nourished enough. Um, so it's, I think it's going to be different for everybody. So kind of take note, like if you are dreaming, mm -hmm. what did I eat that day? What time did I go to bed? You know, what did I do or not do before bed? Um, things like that are really helpful if you want a, a strong dreaming practice and definitely writing them down. What I do is, um, is I will put a pad of paper and a pen next to my bed. And then in the middle of the night, um, if I wake up from a dream and it's really strong, I'll just write down a few keywords. And because mm -hmm. often you're not, if you wake up, if you try to wake up enough to write down the whole thing, oftentimes mm -hmm. it's too slippery, it's gone. But if you write down some really strong keywords and you keep your eyes closed, you know, mm -hmm. of course, reading your handwriting later is, can be a challenge, but keep your eyes closed so you're really in the dream and write down as many keywords as you can. Then oftentimes that's enough to like spark it the next morning. You know, mm -hmm. you read it and be like, oh yeah, that was happening. Like, like you know, places, feelings, um, specific objects, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then telling people. So if you tell, if you relay your dreams to people, you'll often remember them um, easier too, but just like speaking it. I, I guess even just like making a video recording of yourself speaking your yeah. dream would probably help you remember. Um, but yeah, and just like being open to different kinds of dreams mm -hmm. and, uh, and having fun with it and having an adventure with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really solid advice. And I'm really glad that you mentioned writing down in the middle of the night, because that is the hardest time to remember a little bit easier to remember our morning dreams but yeah those middle of the night ones and sometimes that is the part of the night when our brain is um predicting so mm -hmm. basically your your brain takes all of the information from the whole day and pairs it with all of the information that it has decided is important to save from your entire life and kind of mm. see how they go together and then it tries to predict scenarios of like what might be coming up so that if something like that does happen in real life, you're prepared. And so those are some of the harder dreams to remember because they do often happen in the middle of the night. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that. And that's all really wonderful advice. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, we didn't even get to so many things. <laughs> I know. Like, I literally had an entire, just really quickly, I had a really, oh. I had a, this happened twice, but I had an entire chiropractic adjustment in the middle of my sleep. Like it woke me up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like I was woken up feeling like somebody had taken me and gone like this and my entire spine went oh, like, wow. as I'm waking up. 
I was like, whoa. And then it happened again with my sacrum where something like adjusted my sacrum and it popped, which is never done in my life. Mm. And that like woke me up in the middle of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then this is like recently, this has been happening to you? The sacrum one that happened uh, just last year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Some really physical stuff coming into your (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) We we didn't even get into the sex dreams. I mean, Jesus, I had a succubus experience for sure. I'll have to do a whole nother episode on that. So maybe we can do an entirely different episode just on sex dreams because I've got a few from the entirety of my memory. Oh yeah. yeah, there's some there's yeah, some good stuff there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> good, we got a little tease for your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm just gonna go through your um, your website and social media here. So it's yeah. www.deepandlight.com, mm-hmm. and on Facebook you are at Anna Reichenbach. Same with Twitter, yeah. and on Instagram you are Anna Loves You with the, the letter U. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I will be posting that on the website. So awesome. And there's a free gift on my website. If you go on there, it doesn't have anything to do with dreams, but it's just five mm-hmm. simple, easy practices to have a better day. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. It's very sweet. Yeah. 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 Make sure everyone gets to, gets to try that. Thank you so much for sharing all of your dreams and your knowledge and your presence. Yeah, It's been absolutely wonderful to have you. So Awesome. Thank you so much, Britt. And I can't wait for our next juicy conversation. (laughs) And happy dreaming, everyone. Yeah, happy dreaming. We are supported by Human Dreaming, the dynamics of dream interpretation by Sunshine Press. The Human Dreaming book can be purchased on Amazon.com, the Barnes & Noble website, or through your local bookstore. For dream share or help with interpretation, please join us at the Human Dreaming Facebook group. You can also find us on Instagram at human underscore dreaming. Thank you for listening and subscribing, and please join us again next week.